Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes here with a very, very special episode. Today, we are speaking with new USL Super League Carolina's head coach, Philip Poole. It's a massive, massive signing by the new professional women's soccer franchise here in town. Play kicks off this August. We're going to talk to Philip about his time with the United States women's national team. He's finishing his job with the national team through the Gold Cup, through the She Believes Cup, and then we'll take on the full-time job here in Charlotte. After that, we're going to talk about transitioning the women's national team into the new manager, Emma Hayes, and his part in that, and a ton of, of, of great conversation about this new league and about this this new product here in town. It's really exciting. Stick around. It's a it's a really fun interview. We talk about his his background growing up in Newcastle, uh, his love for the sport, how he got into the sport, and he's a Charlotteian. He's been here for a very very long time here in Charlotte. He loves the city and we talk about how this city has become quite the soccer city. Before we get to that first just want to remind you that, of course, Charlotte Soccer Show is presented by Hopfly Brewing Company, our new presenting sponsor here on the show. We're so thrilled to have them as part of the Charlotte Soccer Show family. One phrase you're going to hear from us a lot is a phrase called Fresh Drop Friday. Make sure you follow Hopfly on Instagram at Hopfly Brewing Co. You'll, you'll find out every week the new beers that they're going to have in the tap room. Uh, this past Friday, check out these drops. They're really, really cool. Peach Cobbler Blender. Fresh peaches take the lead, backed by vanilla and a dash of cinnamon. It's like sipping grandma's peach cobbler in a glass. Mm, that sounds good. Nightfall Russian Imperial Stout. A malty symphony with dark roast coffee and 90% cocoa vibes. Toffee undertones balance the intensity. It's a coffee cacao dance of complexity. And finally, Come Thirsty Triple IPA. Brace yourself for a powerhouse of flavors. The taste of melon comes with a strong punch while its pleasant sweetness hides the ABV heavy lane. I've got a feeling Danny Brams uh, would be in on the Come Thirsty Triple IPA. The reason why Hotfly is a partner of ours now is because they are committed to growing soccer in this town as much as we are. Hotfly is going to be the perfect place for us to come together in 2024 and celebrate the beautiful game. So now it's time for an in-depth interview with new Super League Carolina's head coach, Philip Poole. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes. I'm, I'm sitting down here at Elizabeth Parlor Room with the new head coach of the USL Super League, Carolinas, Philip Poole. That's not the name of the club. The name of the club will be announced here in the coming months. But first and foremost, congratulations and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, to catching up and, and seeing where this goes. This, this is a big deal for what it's worth. Uh, I was at the press conference on Wednesday afternoon here at American Memorial Stadium. And I thought something that you said was really interesting. And I wanted to start there. Before we learn about you, people that listen to the show 
they know that when we have a, have a guest on the show, we like to learn about them and where they're from and what drives them and all those uh, certain things. But specifically, I wanted to ask about an answer that you gave yesterday regarding changing this community. You said, we've got a chance to change this community forever with this professional women's soccer team. Why is that? Why do you feel that way? Well, I'm very deliberate in what I said. I use the word forever because I believe it. Um, you know, obviously we, we had, um, I forget the name of the basketball team back in the late 90s and 2000s, but we've had this long period of time where we haven't had women's professional sports here in Charlotte, let alone a professional soccer team. So obviously it's really exciting for a hotbed community that we, we get to bring professional women's soccer here, but I think it's bigger than that. And the answer I gave yesterday was we have the the opportunity to reach different parts of this community that haven't latched onto a team, that haven't been reached, that really have a yearning for the growth of women's professional sports. And I think that industry in itself, um, looking at you know where NWSL is, where WNBA is, where hockey is, um, you know the list goes on and on. So I think we've got this opportunity now to reach different parts of the Carolinas, to say, hey, we're here now. We give people the opportunity um, to come and see what it's all about and to, to be a part of this this woman's professional sports movement. So I'm really excited about that and I, I really do believe we can make change and impact forever. I, I love that because that ultimately is what community is about, right? It's when you build a community, it's supposed to last for a long time. So thinking about this product and thinking about you know your ideals in that way makes, makes a ton of sense for, for this community. So I wanted to start with asking you about that because I thought it was such a great statement and I wanted to highlight that off the top of this interview. But let's rewind many years back from, from just yesterday when we had a chance to, to meet at the press conference. Um, you, you mentioned you talked about being, being in Charlotte here for a long time. You've been here for uh, more than a couple decades in, in the Carolinas. But you're born and raised in England in Newcastle. Uh, are you a Magpies fan? Or are you a Newcastle supporter? 100% black and white through and through. I think uh, we, we still have two season tickets in my family. Oh, fantastic. Um, so born five miles from the stadium, um, like any other person from that area, you have no choice. It's a one club city. Um, so I was Newcastle mad growing up and loved every bit of it and really fortunate 10 years old to play through their academy and everything about the club still. Would, uh, would a Sunderland supporter say it's a, a one club city? Sunderland's a little village on the outskirts to the south a little bit, so I don't know what actually gets the call. <laughs> okay, fair to enough. See. Okay, fair so enough. We do play them on Saturday, which is going to be an epic match in the FA Cup, yes. so looking forward to that. What a tie that is. Unbelievable. And, yes. So and it's that, been too long. That's what those local local derbies are all about, and, and we love that here on the Charlotte Soccer Show, and, and talking about community and, and building this new USL Super League. So you grew up in a, an environment that was traditionally rich when it, when it came to local rivalries and how important it was to, to play teams. That are that are nearby, and you know when you're thinking about taking over as manager for this club, um, ultimately some of these rivalries are going to start popping up. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I, I can't wait to see how these rivals rivalries shape out. And you know, there's some somewhat of a difference in a rivalry right in the United States. You know, Charlotte and Atlanta. I'm going to drive for four hours as opposed to you know yes. Newcastle Sunderland and 20 minutes down the road. So there's that. And, and I think when I think about those rivalries, right? As a fan, I feel pressure. I can feel pressure before Saturdays, before we play Sunderland, because right. we're supposed to win, we will win. There's you know, there's so much on the line with just watching my phone light up with people talking all kinds of, uh, you know what, if we don't win. So <laughs> I just, I think 
anywhere we can get close to that and anywhere yeah. we can foster those rivalries in in, in, in in our sport and you start to see some of them pop up on MLS and there's there's some there's some good rivalries in MWSL and, and different sports. So yeah, I think when it when it when it kind of transcends to fans and transcends into their weekly topics of discussion, I think that's when you get that real sense of what a rivalry means. Yeah, and you've been a part of rivalries at the national level, at the international level, level obviously with the United States women's national team. Um, yeah, the big bad bully on the block for a long time. And, and when you're going to be that program, you're going to have a lot of people um, who want to call a match against you a rivalry. There's no doubt about that. But we'll get to that. Um, so ultimately, you're, you're in Newcastle. You're growing up. You played your youth career uh, with Newcastle. Were you growing up in, in the Newcastle system? What, what made you as a young man in Newcastle say, I think soccer is my pathway? Yeah, I don't, I don't really think you have a choice. I don't think there isn't really a, a choice to make. You grow up and, um, you know, it's, it's a different part of the world. There's not, um, back then, there's really not a plethora of sports anywhere. You've got football and you've got boxing and not much else. So generally most people start on the football track and see where they go from there. So. I just never remember not playing football. I never remember not being outside, um, and I don't think that's unique to me. I think that's just yeah. that's just the way it is and the way we all grew up. Um, so yeah, all, always have had a ball. Always have had pictures on my wall of, of, of the heroes, and you know when your family's invested and your neighbours are invested and. Uh, you feel like the whole street's invested. You yeah. can't, you can't dodge it. So yeah, just always had a ball. And I can't wait to see the investment that happens in this community when, when this team officially launches uh, in August of 2024, which is this year, which is amazing to say. I feel like I've been talking about this for quite a while now, saying it's coming, it's coming next year, but it's officially now this year, which must feel pretty good to say. Yeah, I think once you get to January 1st and you can actually say it's 2024 and you can, that's the first milestone, I think. So yeah, I think as, as we're moving towards it, it seems like uh, it seems so far away when the announcements were coming out um, at the start of actually 2022, the first announcement started to come out and then you get through Charlotte's announcement and here we are in 2024, so exciting. So you, you make a decision to, to leave your, your home country of England to come to the United States to play college soccer. What went into that decision? It's obviously a huge, life-changing, momentous opportunity. Uh, take me back to that time and and how you decided to, to come to Wingate here in the in the Carolinas and, and play your college soccer here in town. Yeah, so I, I just actually so I left Newcastle United at uh, 16 years old and I, I signed for Hull City, um, a couple of hours away, um, and I'd come to the end of, of, of my contract there and um, so. Most of the players in England are part of the Professional Footballers Association, the, the union, mm -hmm. and they said, "Okay, you've got some choices. We can we can help you um, try and find another club, but you also have this opportunity to maybe go to the United States and um, play in, uh, play college soccer." And, and I really had no intent on coming here to study or to go to university. For me, I thought it was going to be a great six months to come and try something, then go back at Christmas and pick up where I left off. Um, but I, I decided to come here. Um, having never been on the internet. So it's a funny story, I, w I, w I went to a combine where I think there was about 100 US colleges came and the PFA, the Professional Football Association, um, I think there was about 40 of us who were, who were young players who had just been released from contracts. Okay. And we went there and played and I, I got about um, 15 great offers. And Having never been on the internet, I sat across from 15 different coaches like this and listened to what they had to say and they were talking about 
SATs and GPAs and, <laughs> and, and it meant nothing to me, I had no idea. And uh, I sat across from a gentleman called Gary Hamill who still to this day I consider um, one of my mentors, someone I would, I would give the shirt off my back to, I'd give my last dollar to, change my life and I'm sitting here today because of him. And, you know, he's the only person that didn't mention GPA, SAT, this, that, the other. And he said, hey, I, I really want a good player that's going to come here and play for four years. Do you want to come and do that? I said, yep, yeah, let's go, sign me up. And that's when I decided then and there. Having never been on the internet, there were some really big schools, some great names, some powerhouse names. And somehow I ended up at Wingate University in Union County, North Carolina. And my life changed the day I got here. So I met my wife there. You know, this has been home for us in the Carolinas. and. I would do it all over again, even if I had been on the internet and done a little research. It's, it's remarkable. And yeah. it, it, it also goes to show how quickly things have changed, yeah. right? Because now in this position you're in as manager of this new USL Super League team, you have a tryout this week, you have a scouting team, and all of it is being done on the internet. You're seeing every player on the internet. Yeah. Everybody has yeah. a reel now. Yeah. And I mean, you're not talking about 50 years ago, you're just talking about 20 years ago and in, in, in a time uh, and, and this this the internet obviously has changed everything and and it is has allowed communities to come together it, connection is made easier and I think that's a great example of how a pipeline can exist before that and then exist after that as well I've done some this was the first year I did commentary for the ASUN um, league on ESPN plus and got to know the rosters a little bit of Queens University's in the ASUN now and just seeing the influx of talent that is coming from overseas into college soccer. How, how does college soccer, women's college soccer, NCAA soccer, play into your strategy of a roster build? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really important. And, and I said earlier, right, like even if, even if we never left the state of North Carolina to, to sign a player at any level, I think we have such a great level of player here, programs here, coaches here. So I think the infrastructure here in North Carolina is unbelievable. And you look at the college shop here in North Carolina, you just go through the list and you know, we, we hear about UNC and Duke and NC State and, and Wake Forest and keep going. But then within an hour of where we're sitting, we have Wingate University, Catawba College, Lenore Ryan, that are all in the top 15 nationally for Division Two schools. Right. You know, Wingate won a national championship uh, a few years ago. So, you know, we all hear about the big names, but you look at what Queens have done, what Winthrop's have done, UNC Greensboro's, Asheville's, the, the, the list is endless. And it's not just the top level teams, there's quality across the board, Division One, Two, and Three in North Carolina. So I think looking at our strategy from recruitment, we'll definitely look at that pre-professional, that college prospect that will either look at is the NWSL draft right for them, is USL Super League right for them, what's the best situation for them to develop. So for us, the college soccer out is going to be massive. And, I, and again, I can't say enough about the quality that is here in our backyard. And I think we'll definitely look extensively um, at those schools. I'll just say this because we're talking about it and I happen to watch her play a lot this year. There was a goalkeeper. I know you had some experience coaching goalkeepers as well. Um, at Queens, Erica Turner, heck of a heck of a player, um, and somebody that really led Queens to what was an amazing season. Now, I think it was only their second year in Division One. So there's so much change happening, so much soccer happening around this community. When you really get a chance to sink your teeth in, like I know you've had the the ability to do so, um, you, can, you can find a diamond in the rough because uh, you know on a soccer squad, there's there's only so many positions that can be played, uh, there, there's only so many minutes that can be given around, and, and so many spots and scholarships at each school so 
Or you just have a situation like yourself where you're, you, you, somebody just tells a manager with a great background and a good player, hey, sign me up, I'm ready to play. I'll go play anywhere. Uh, so what's, so what's, your, what's your plan for a staff look like? Um, in order to recruit all these players, in order to build that roster, what's your plan in, in, in terms of uh, giving yourself those resources to find those players? My answer is quite boring, right? That if I, if I take soccer off the table and I plant myself as a basketball coach or I take sports off the table and I say, okay, we're, we, uh, we sell windows and doors for a living. I think for me, first and foremost, it's good people, good human beings. I think you can always improve the competencies of a coach or a salesperson. But it's, it's hard to improve them as people. It's hard, to, it's hard to do that. And I think one of my pillars, one of the things that's important about me is I want to enjoy going to work every day. I want to laugh at work every day. I want to smile at work every day. So I think first and foremost, you look at, you look at the person, look at the human being. Um, and then in terms of the staff, we have, you know, look at what USL is providing, right? We, we're providing this opportunity now to grow women's soccer, women's sports. And I think that goes hand in hand with providing opportunities for more females in the game and more diverse coaching staff. Um, you know, making sure that we are diligent in looking at different skill sets, different competencies. And then you bring it a little closer to home, right? Is that um, I'm certainly not the best coach in the room, far from it. I'm certainly not the best mind in the room, far from it. Uh, I think some self-awareness and some, some humility is good. So I, I have to look at my gaps and, and areas that I need to improve or be aware that, 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 that I fall short. So I, I feel like the human being is massive. I think plugging my personal gaps in areas of weakness is massive. And then I think, again, the diversity, the competency, the energy is going to be massive and then there's an experience piece right you have you have a choice to make and we have different positions on the staff where experience is going to be key we have staff members and i'm kind of profiling to say you know what energy enthusiasm and youth and, and drive is going to be key as well i think you've got to have different people in different roles and you've got to put them where they're going to be more successful so this the the, the staffing recruitment and search is well underway um, I'd hope to get some information out sooner rather than later on at least a couple of key hires. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that process and put just as much time into that as trying to sign a centre forward or a goalkeeper or a centre midfielder. Um, I think we have to get everyone in the building right. One thing I love about the USL Super League is its connection with USL. And on the men's side, the USL Championship, obviously USL League One, the Charlotte Independents playing in USL League One. We, we talk a lot about the Charlotte Independence on this show. Um, talk to the players, talk to, of course, the manager, Mike Jeffries. Is is Coach Jeffries somebody that, that you can uh, co- lean on, collaborate with now in this role and kind of pick his brain about working in, in USL as, as a manager? Mike's unbelievable. Not not is he someone that I will, someone that I already have several times. Um, I, I can't say enough about Mike. So actually, I worked for Mike in 2014, 15, 2015, 16, so the, the original first two years of the club and um, didn't know Mike um, before then, heard a lot about him, uh, knew about his career, but actually seeing seeing Mike work and seeing how he is able to develop players, how he's able to run his environment, um, some of his non-negotiables, some of the things that are important to him, I've had the opportunity to see it firsthand. I've since obviously used him as a, a resource and stayed in touch and then over the last few weeks when this popped up you know I, I think it made sense he was the first call to say hey let me uh, let me pick your brain a little bit about this or this and 
you know what I love about Mike and anyone that knows him or spent time with him, I think will attest to this is, you're not going to call Mike up and say, let me, give me, give me some thoughts on this or this. And he's not going to give you a club line. He's going to give you the mic line. He's going to give you the truth. He's going to tell you what he thinks. He's going to tell you the good and he's going to tell you the bad. And, and, and that's why people like Mike have longevity in the game. And that's why he's so well respected, not just at USL levels, at all levels. And, um, you know, Mike, Mike's been phenomenal. Yeah, oh, he has. I mean, and, and he, the way he runs that program is, is fantastic. And, man, we're still heartbreaking, heartbroken that uh, the way that the final ended up at the, at the end of last year. And, and uh, But I know the squad's coming back, and, and obviously they're going to put their best foot forward to, to get back to that uh, final and, and bring the trophy home. So, obviously, people are going to be talking about trophies. People are going to be talking about having success with this, this new, new team. I'm, I'm not ready to go there yet, nine months away. But, but for you, are, are, are you thinking about success already? Are you thinking about your goals as far as getting into this league and, and winning football matches? Because in the sports industry, right, and you see this all the time, it's, it's, there's drama around clubs that are not performing well. All of a sudden, those clubs start winning football matches, and the drama somehow fades away. So obviously, a winning culture is unbelievably important, but how do you balance creating this this new squad and trying to develop talent and turn the program into exactly what you want it to be but also realize hey let's string together some w's and and, and turn and start off as a winning program as well uh, it's a struggle to articulate this sometimes but i think um it's 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 we're in a high performing industry we're in professional sports um, the number one goal, and anyone that sits across the table for you and tells you otherwise, the number one goal is to win. Yeah. The number one goal is to win games. Um, that's that's it's 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 always there. It's ever present. It's it's. I think now you, then you go to that next step and you say, you know what? It's, th there's a process here, and there is a, a journey. There's an A to B component. How do we get from A to B? Well, we have to be as good as we can at A every single day, which is going to lead ourselves to B. So. Once you get, you know, I, th I think the winning piece and any professional sport that's in it and any group of investors that invest in it and any group of fans that work hard during the week to come to a game on a weekend, they're, they're there because they, they want to win and they want to see great football. They want to see a club that works incredibly hard for them. So I think that's always there. But I think the next piece when you come down to developing, when you come down to culture, when you come down to you know, how the club behaves and operates it comes down to process it comes down to every day it comes down to standards and professionalism um, and, and an unwavering commitment to those so while winning championships and, and games and strings of games is, is important I think the process every day and being unwavering from that and unrelenting on standards and professionalism is, is key so I think they go hand in hand but let's not deny that the, the professional sports the, the winning games and championships has to be there for everyone otherwise what's the point 100%. I think it's so difficult, and I admire people and someone like in your position who, who recognizes that, but at the same time also has to recognize the development of players, uh, setting a culture, and, and how the process can ultimately lead to that end goal of, of, of getting those wins. Um, you mentioned working with, with Mike Jeffries here in town. Um, I, I think it's a simple question, but, it's, but I find it to be fascinating. Um, you know, as a manager in, in football, in, in most all sports, really, you have an opportunity. Do you, do you want to work on the men's side or do you want to work on the women's side? How did you end up working in women's soccer? So, to answer the first question, I don't look at it any differently. 
I've never trained or coached a player or a team any differently, um, which is probably a good thing. I don't have to switch on my men's coaching brain and my women's coaching brain and worry about what I say and what I don't say. Um, I've never coached boy or girl, man or woman, any differently. Um, I've had lots of opportunities in the men's game. Um, I was fortunate, for, I actually went through World Cup qualifying campaign with the Puerto Rican men's national team. Strange how it happened. Um, but you know that, that how did it how did it so, happen? So it's, it's funny. I, I was the assistant coach for a few years with the Charlotte Eagles, so the the, yep. um, the team that was before the independence. Was Jorge Herrera still? He was. The ball he was. What a legend. Yeah. We 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 handed out our first award uh, of, of Charlotte Soccer Show history. We called it the Soccer City Legend, and we said, Jorge, you're the guy. You're a legend. You're going to get this first award. What a play, by the way. <laughs> and and you know what? I, I don't think that you've spoken to anyone or will speak to anyone that will say anything different is I think about Jorge and I think about the person before the footballer. So listen, his football stands up anywhere and all due respect to the Eagles and the Independents could have played way beyond that level and should have. But as a person and a human being, unbelievable. I've got a lot of time for Jorge, um, spent a lot of time with him and just, just unbelievable. So Jorge was there at the time. We had a goalkeeper called Terry Boss, who's now the assistant at um, Austin FC and MLS. He actually was goalkeeper of the year, USL Pro goalkeeper of the year while here in Charlotte. And he played for the Puerto Rico Islanders for a couple of years. And because of the way it works with FIFA, residency on the island gets you um, clearance and criteria to play for their national team. So there's a lot of um, players that back then played for the Puerto Rico Islanders, which was a pretty successful USL club um, that kind of matriculated to the national team. So Terry was one of those. So such is this game in life that they didn't have a goalkeeper coach and Terry said hey I've got a good goalkeeper coach in Charlotte it'd be great so jumped on a plane down to Puerto Rico and, and there you are and you know the best part of it is it was a great experience you know playing against uh, we played against Canada in there uh, in, in Toronto and played um, played against uh, Spain as well right at the end of that the, the real Spain that had just won World Cups and Euros and stuff Amazing. but there was a game where um, the head coach Justin Campos we were playing Canada in Canada in Toronto World Cup qualifying and his paperwork had been denied at the border and uh, they wouldn't let him in so then I go from kind of part time hanger on assistant coach to now I'm coaching the Puerto Rico national team at BMO Field in Toronto Duende Rosario just that, that all the household Canadian names and we actually drew nil nil away and we should have won right at the end so that's my claim to fame in terms of uh, international management and men's footballers that we should have beaten Canada in Canada 1-0 and uh, we, had, we had a goalkeeper that we grabbed out of a division 3 school because we, we lost Terry to a concussion and the kid was a backup at a division 3 school and made his national team debut in Canada it was it it's the wildest it almost sounds like a fake story it's a wild story but it, it, it actually happened and it's one of my uh, claim to fame on the men's side so yeah lo loads of opportunities on the men's side and offered one recently um, in MLS and you know, I just, I don't look at it any differently. Um, one of the major reasons for sitting here today in Charlotte is we love it here from the Carolinas. My family are so happy. I've got three daughters that are part of this community. My wife um, is, is a, a newly qualified um, nurse. So she kind of went back to school and she's found a great job that she loves. So for me, you know, men's game, women's game, all the same opportunity to me, but the chance to be here in Charlotte and the chance to kind of, get this club up and running and, and moving forward 
you know that that's where I am for now. I'd never say never, um, but again, I don't look at them any differently. It's it's funny because Charlotte is a transplant town. There's no doubt about it. You know, they, the the population it just continues to grow, and specifically over the last 15 years or so, everything's fast forwarded now in the last five or six years. But I've seen that happen a lot, uh, including myself. Where when you get here. An opportunity might come up somewhere else, but then you think about it for a few minutes and you say, well, I really don't want to leave because I, I'm enjoying my life here. And I mean, that's that's got to be when you take a job in a city where you want to be, that has to be almost as fulfilling as any other job that maybe you, you, you could have gotten, even if it was something that many people from the outside would consider a better opportunity. It's the life of a, it's the life of a professional sports coach. And, and I can't believe we've managed to stay here this long. So, you know, I had so many wonderful opportunities put my way and, you know, again, been really fortunate to work for US Soccer with the, with the women's national team and while I've spent way too long in airplanes and hotels around the world, um, I've been fortunate that we've, we've never had to move the family out and different jobs I've had, different places and I've turned a lot down where I'm looking in the mirror and I must be crazy, that's the, that's the next logical step and it's what makes sense, it's what everyone else would do and I've had GMs and owners and coaches say I'm insane and my career's going to stall and you never know where those opportunities would have gone but I've just been so lucky that we, we've not as a family yet had to leave Charlotte and we've come close a few times and you know you get down to the 11th hour when you have to look your wife in the eye and kids in the eye and say okay what are we going to do here we're going to take this amazing opportunity and some of these opportunities would have been unbelievable but there's a reason we're here and you know, now this opportunity comes along and it's exciting. So the women's national team, right? And, and before, you know, you talked about traveling all over the world, right? You're, when, when I'm thinking about the United States women's national team, I'm thinking about the Taylor Swift stadium tour before the Taylor Swift stadium tour existed, right? I mean, this women's national team was the not only U.S. stadium tour, but international as well. Where, where this team went, Soccer supporters followed. Every everybody from around the globe needed to get eyes on this program to say, "What the heck are they doing, and how are they accomplishing exactly what they've accomplished?" So I wanted to learn about your your foray in, into the U.S. Women's National Team uh, and what your career looked like there, and, and how you developed as a coach when you were there. Yeah, I mean, where to start, right? I mean. I think when, when, when you know my time is coming to an end, right? You know, we, we, yeah, because you're still you're still going to, uh, through the she she believes cup, right? Yeah, we have the gold cup coming up. We have she believes coming up. I, I will officially step away um, on April 30th. Um, so we'll kind of have a hybrid role until then. I think it's really important that we transition and hand the team off to Emma Hayes um, in the most professional way. Love it. Not with me in mind, not with the club here in mind, not with but with the players in mind, right? Like we we have some work to do. We have a target, um, we have a huge few months ahead of us because the Olympic Games in Paris is coming up. So to kind of cut and, loop, cut and leave, you know, for me it wouldn't sit well with me if I was a player with so much transition going on, but to give Emma um, the best possible chance to be successful, I think that's important. So yeah, not, not quite done yet, but where, where do I start is that, I answered this question a couple of days ago is that, we could talk about the Olympics, the World Cup, we could talk about some, some pinnacle moments, but my time, I will remember my time being around the players, being around the people. Um, you know, it, it, with all respect, just normal, good, honest, hard work and people that happen to be some of the best players in the women's game in the world. And, you know, the thing I, I look at and take away is, 
the competitiveness, the will to learn, the will to improve, the inquisitiveness, the honesty, the, the humility. You know, to, to have lived behind the curtain for an extended period of time, you realize that these are footballers like any other around the world that, that want to succeed so badly, that want to improve so badly. And just an amazing group of people, amazing group of staff. I mean, some of the people I've, I've had the chance to work with and some of the opportunities I've been given, not just from the soccer staff, but from people you've, you've never heard of behind the scenes that are integral to how the operation runs. So I, I think I'll look back fondly on the intimate moments with, with, with the people, with the players, the stuff that you're so fortunate to see behind the curtain. Um, but there's no denying, I mean, what, what an amazing job, what an amazing experience. And, you know, a friend of mine um, likens it to say, you know, there's only really one other job in the world that's like it. And that's probably being there, I mean, with all respect to everyone else, it's probably being um, the coach for the men's Brazil national team, expected to win every game. If they don't win the game well, they get criticized. If they win the game ugly, they get criticized. If they lose, life is over and no one has a right to beat them. Some of the best players in the world, unique style, how far Ronaldinho and, and, and old Ronaldo and Neymar's reach go far beyond football. So, you know, people right. have compared it to say it's the same lifestyle, it's the same expectation as, as that. And, you know, we all know what this year has been like and we all know this year did not, um, did not go as planned. But you look at the small margins of being at that level. You know, not a lot of people know this, but you go to a World Cup and you come home and you don't lose a game, by the way. Right, and that's one thing which kind of stops people in the discussion. We didn't lose a game. We have the lowest goals against, expected goals against, or XG. We have the highest XG in terms of goals we should have scored. The margins are tiny and right. we're losing a penalty shootout with arguably our best performance of the tournament. And the margins are still small, but I say that as not an excuse. I say that as we understand going in, there's only one expectation and there's only one outcome that's, that's, that satisfies our players, our federation, our public, our people and our nation and that's to win gold every time and that's it, that's it. When you step back, that's a big responsibility, it's a big weight and so it should be, right? It's a privilege to be in that environment. I know the players feel the weight and the privilege equally um, but that's, that's what players want, right? Players don't want to be at the middle part of this top players want to be at the top end where the pressure's the highest, the rewards are the highest, but also the downside is, you know, the, the world knows about it too. So right. one of them experience, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'll look back at my time there with nothing but fond memories and great relationships with players and staff and everyone involved. So it's just amazing. This is my last question. Don't hold me to it if I ask one more follow-up. But um, I wanted to get to this when we were talking about the national team because from where I sit, I think about it tangibly where it's like, okay, now you're taking over this women's professional team in the top tier and you've been working within the, the U.S. soccer system and you know potentially what the youth teams look like and who's coming up through the system and who might be looking for this next opportunity. Is there a way for you to kind of take advantage of, of that U.S. women's system that youth program and to know kind of who's coming along to target people for this roster build is that something that you've thought about or or, or you're able to take advantage of yeah I, I look at it differently um i look at it like i've been so fortunate to i'll use the expression again to, to kind of take a look behind the curtain and see what what's really there and you know so 
all of these players are on different career trajectories with different tracks. They develop at different times. But I think the most valuable thing I can take away is I know what the best look like. I know what the best looked like at 17 and 16 and 18 and 20 years old. I know what the best looked like when they were 14 and how they look now when they're 26. You know, I've been fortunate. I've been with Mallory Swanson since you know one way or another in different teams from 14 to now i've seen lindsey haran from 15 to now so i get like a little inside track on saying okay that's how the best look when they are at the top of their game that's how the best looked when they were 14 and still growing and that's where they looked at different junctures so rather than pinpoint you know the, the some of these young players and, and again they're all at different parts it's more important for me to kind of get a glimpse of what it looks like and then you know connecting it back to this community and this part of the country and that and our region is this is a hotbed and I, and I believe here in Charlotte alone we've got several players of super high potential that um, we will investigate and look at to say okay is this the track for them do, do they want to get on the professional track early when we start you know zooming out the lens and you look at the, the Greensboro area the Columbia South Carolina area the, 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 the western part of the state Asheville and there's players all over the state of super high potential that go on to amazing things in, in college soccer, then on a professional soccer. And now we have the platform for those players. We have the opportunity for those players if they so choose it. And we will look to, um, you know, bring in some really high potential young players that may actually choose to forgo college and, and, and become professionals. And now we have this for them in this part of the state in Charlotte. So really excited about that. But yeah, I, I, I do get a look at what the best look like. Fantastic, and I think uh, you know as this new pathway emerges, yeah, you know that that just means opportunity, and I think that you're going to see a lot of women out there who recognize that opportunity. And I'm excited to see who signs on board and and see this club come together. And you know what's happened in the last month or so here in in Charlotte is there's been an infusion of um, English management. Um, you said yesterday at the press conference you're a proud U.S. citizen. Dean Smith can't say that himself just quite yet. Maybe he will someday. Who knows? But um, you know, as far as, as just just one final question about Dean Smith being hired here to, to manage Charlotte FC. Um, you know, a couple English ma- you know English born managers come coming to our city now to manage our our squads. I'm a fan of English football. I think that that's a that's a great thing for for this community. And and if you were to you know maybe things have changed, but you know I, you know typically an English manager would you know have a stereotype or have a profile. But is it is it proud for for you, for you to to be here with Dean and, and kind of be be leading two organizations within the city? Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of my English roots. I'm very proud of where I'm from. Obviously, we started out massive Newcastle United fan, but I actually take my citizenship of this country very seriously. It means a lot to me. Um, when you stand in front of a flag and put your hand on your heart and swear and pledge allegiance to the United States, you know it's it's heavy, right? And and, yes. and I'll never forget that day. But you know, looking at what FC are doing, I actually think this is a really, really intelligent appointment, really unique appointment. I think. Um, with all due respect to the last two head coaches, both very different, um, both different levels of experience um, from up and coming and um, very uh, very animated to a little more experience as an assistant and, and, and kind of thrust into a role where he did really well. Now, I think you have the experience of Dean, you have the pedigree in terms of leading groups, leading groups at different levels. You know, if you look at his background, he's not been a coach that's been thrust into a Premier League job. He's, he's actually worked his way up. He's, he's done really well with different types of teams, different types of players, different types of budgets. Um, to the point where, 
I think that's going to be to Charlotte's benefit. I think FC now need a little bit of, um, they need a foundation, they need a little bit of, um, um, you know, they need to solidify what they've generated. Because again, going to Bank of America, going to the stadium, there's still an amazing atmosphere. The fan base is ridiculous. <laughs> um, and now with a little bit of experience, a little bit of, um, a little bit of a, an attempt to kind of solidify what they've got as opposed to being so erratic so for me I think it's a great appointment I think it's a really smart appointment um, I know that he'll put good staff around him um, obviously the training ground has now just been completed I drove past it the other day it's, it's unbelievable so now you have really really good head coach you have a, a packed stadium with fanatical fans and now you have the training ground to kind of top it off now it's almost like the, the missing pieces are are there. So I actually think it's a great appointment. I think it's going to be really good for the fans. And I think his experience at different levels with different teams, with different sets of expectations, I think that's where we're going to see the difference. I think it's going to be key. He's Philip Poole. He is currently the United States women's national team assistant coach. You're going to see him at the She Believes Cup. You're going to see him at the Gold Cup. But most importantly, you're going to see him here in Charlotte on the sidelines this August, the the manager for the new USL Super League Carolina squad. There's two options for the name. We're gonna figure we're gonna figure that out over the next couple months. I you, you may be able to put in a vote. I'm not sure how, how much pool I you did have. Put in a vote. I've got I've got a favorite, but we'll see. I, I want the fans to have their say. Good, good. Well, it's been a pleasure meeting you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for for taking the time to meet me here today and, and chat about soccer. And hope to have you on the show again soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Cheers.